and welcome to our Mutual Mastered. I'm Will, and this is the Internet's Most Unwanted Music Podcast. On the show this week, I'm joined by James. Hello. And Elle. Hiya. The trio returns. It's been <laughs> ages. It's been like a month since we've had all three of us. It's been too long. Mm, agreed. In this episode, we're going to be reviewing the new album from Cherry Glazer. We've got the upcoming releases you need to know about, but first, the news. James, what have you got for us this week? Uh, this week, it's a continuation of a saga. So, yeah, I think a month ago, maybe, something like that, um, I talked about uh, Bandcamp being bought by um, Song Trader. I think that kind of fully went through on Monday, um, but during that time, 50% of Bandcamp staff have been laid off. Right, so um, Song Trader have put an out a statement saying, over the past few years, the operating costs of Bandcamp have significantly, significant, significantly increased after a comprehensive evaluation including the importance of roles for smooth business operations and pre-existing functions at SongTrader, 50% of Bandcamp employees have accepted offers to join SongTrader. But, yeah, you can do the maths. Um, 50% of the other staff, the other employees have, well, gone. They haven't had their contracts renewed. Um, Union members... Uh, said on Twitter, or X, or whatever you want to call it, we love our jobs, the platform we've built, and the VanCamp community. We're glad we have our union, co-workers who have, who have each other's backs. We'll be, in, uh, we'll be moving together to decide what next steps, what are our next steps are, whatever. Uh, on Wednesday, we return to the bargaining table with Epic Games, and we'll keep you updated. Um, now I looked elsewhere, and yeah, the, the the stats are quite interesting. So the jobs, so there were sixty jobs lost out of um, one hundred and eighteen employees. I'm even surprised about how many there were anyway. Just as few as one hundred and eighteen staff at Bandcamp seems quite low. Um, and supposedly it dis- disproportionately hit union leaders. Um, so all of the eight-person uh, bargaining team for the union was laid off. Um, the, uh, the editorial team um, was cut in half and they were like responsible for Independent and small artist-focused uh, Bandcamp Daily. Two-thirds of the union-eligible engineering team was laid off. Twelve thirteen, so twelve out of thirteen um, union-eligible support staff, and then seventy percent of the vinyl team. Um, yeah, it's pretty dramatic, especially in those. It might be a coincidence, but especially with those union members um the union uh, negotiating severance packages for the represented um but song trader have um reassured that they're committed to keeping the existing band camp services that fans and artists love including the artist first revenue share band camp fridays and band camp daily um so yeah we we heard there was already uh, layoffs before the company got sold, um, and now there seems to be even more. Um, and yeah, I think I think we were hoping that Song Trader would be a good uh, new owner, and I guess they can still can be for sure. But um, seeing all of these workers just go is a, is a bit surprising, I guess. But that they they they've said that they can keep working and keep keep it as good as they um, have it with half the staff. But yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll see. I guess. 
Yeah, it, I mean, that's a pretty common thing for companies to do when they take over another business is they'll lay off loads of people, they'll run it with a kind of caretaker crew, and they'll keep making money off of it for as long as they can, and then just kind of, if it peters out, so what, they've made the money. Um, you talked about the editorial team. I think that's really important. So I read, and I I think I saw it on Reddit, so I don't know that it's 100% true, but I read that they only had five people on staff in the editorial team and two of them have been laid off. So saying it's half is kind of, you know, <laughs> fine. Um, but Bandcamp Daily is amazing. And the fact that their team is losing two of its very few members is really a shame because it is such a great tool for exposing new artists and helping these small artists find like a much wider audience. I feel like they're one of the few places that gives like big promotion to like really like tiny artists that most people haven't heard of. And the blogs that do that are generally kind of more off the beaten path and places like the quietus and, and stuff like that, that I, I don't think kind of more mainstream audiences will kind of click with whereas Bandcamp Daily seems a bit more approachable and I feel like they've got quite a good mix going on um so yeah if if that's well since those people being cut is just disappointing really you kind of wonder with you're kind of seeing a lot of these issues across the entertainment industry um I mean across like all industries it seems like every industry is struggling unless you're at the very top um but with the kind of recent hollywood strikes for writers and actors and kind of there seems to be consistently this year issues with retaining employment across the entertainment industry and of course that's always like been a difficult industry to kind of maintain a career that pays you fairly um within that industry but it it does seem like things are getting worse i don't know if that's just because like unions are finally standing up and being like we're not going to stand for terrible conditions anymore or if it's a result of kind of global economics being in a terrible position and that having you know knock-on effects but it does seem like once again it's the, the kind of the people at the core of it and at those kind of I guess not grassroots necessarily because Brand Camp isn't necessarily like really grassroots in, in that respect, but in a sense that it's not like the kind of overarching big CEOs don't seem to be affected. It's, it's again, like the smaller employees who are doing kind of really authentic work that once again are the ones suffering as a result of this. And, you know, it's the cynic in me that, yeah, again, it's like, I just feel like, the money is there but it's not being distributed properly and that's you know that's not a new thing to say I mean you know Marx was saying this long before Bandcamp and I feel like he'd be saying it now I feel like he'd enjoy Bandcamp and he wouldn't be happy about this I've really just put that on Marx but anyway my point is that it it does just feel like we're seeing huge shift in the entertainment industry in general particularly when you take into account things like ai producing certain levels of like visual and audio media and things like that i think it's it'll be interesting and slightly scary to see how kind of the next like few years pan out in terms of what jobs remain in the industry what are kind of bought out by AI and similarities, what are brought out by kind of corporate greed and what is kind of left by the wayside. Um, I think, yeah, just at the core of it, it's it's just, it's a horrible situation for so many people to have lost their jobs in in such a kind of sudden and dramatic shift. I think you've hit the nail on the head with it, where, yeah, it's it's partly kind of the the hangover from COVID and the financial impacts on the world economy from that, and it's, I mean, it's basically the the kind of globally traded business structure that we have. That the moment your company, well, the moment your company's owned by someone else or it's publicly traded, suddenly 
there is no room at all for reducing profit and profit has to be as high as possible all of the time or or you're done so i mean you, you can see it all over the 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 industry like all industries and the world where companies are wholly mismanaged if you're thinking in any way of customer service of like making the company work in the long run because of this complete focus on profits and yeah it, there, there's never there's not this consideration of how do we keep staff there how do we make sure that we have the best people working on this how do we make sure that we're going to have a product to sell in five ten years time it's we certainly can't let our shareholders lose confidence in us because we'll have our funding pulled and yeah i mean this is i mean what we were all worried about when we talked about Bandcamp being sold in the first place is that the moment it's owned by someone you don't know what's going to happen to it and and there is no alternative to Bandcamp, like not really i mean you know people i saw people talking about like cobas and stuff like that and yeah you can buy music there but it's not it's not the same. It's not a hub for these artists. You can't go on there and buy a band's merch or buy the vinyl record of an album you like. It's it's just a download store. Um, and, and it doesn't seem like anyone's going to pop up and be able to do this. And they're certainly not going to be able to do it from nothing very quickly. It's going to take a long time to build a platform like that. And, and so this just spells a really difficult time potentially ahead for indie musicians all over the world. It's not even just, you know, looking at the UK where, you know, indie musicians have really struggled with touring recently. This could affect indie musicians everywhere in South America, in the UK, across Asia. Like, yeah, this is not, not good for the scene as a whole. Right, on that cherry note, let's move on to our review for this week. We're looking at I Don't Want You Anymore by Cherry Glazer. It's the band's fourth album released on the 29th of September 2023 on Secretly Canadian. The album's 11 tracks long and 37 minutes. What did we think of the album? James, would you like to kick us off? Sure thing. Um, yeah, this week I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, before I get into my like overall thoughts, one of the songs came up, um, or one of the singles or something, uh, came up on like a random like new music playlist. So that I was listening to before I started listening to the album this week, and when that came up that time, it really intrigued me. So it was nice to actually end up listening to the full album. And I'll tell you what, it didn't disappoint. Um, I felt the first half was super, super strong. Um, I love the variety and everywhere they're drawing from. Um, I think they do it pretty well as well. Um, whatever they're kind of like mimicking, uh, really like just some really fun tracks, which still have a lot of emotion. I think this album has a lot of emotion and it's emotion that's um, presented in kind of like different ways throughout um, or through different styles throughout. Um, I say the first half was super strong. The, the back end was for me a little less interesting um, but like listening to the album on the shuffle like I, I think they scramble kind of nicely together and those those songs I liked a little less I still think they're great. Um, so yeah, it's it's just been a really like fun album this week for me. Um, and every track has had something that's kind of um, caught my ear, I guess. Um, but there are like throughout the theme, kind of stays the same, like the the lyrical like messages. A lot of the same, unless I'm missing something. But yeah, I didn't. It, that didn't bother me too much. Uh, I thought she's put her emotion across really well. But yeah, that's me. Elle, what did you think? Yeah, I also really enjoyed this album. It 
I, I will agree that I think lyrically it wasn't necessarily the the kind of strongest. Um, I think there are certain lyrics that feel quite cliched, perhaps not the most mature. There are moments of like really beautiful lyrics or just kind of really interesting lyrics that I enjoyed. But overall, it's not one where I was like picking apart every other word and kind of fawning over that. But that doesn't detract from my enjoyment of the album at all. I think like James said, there's there's enough in there and there's enough on every track that I was kind of hooked to every track. Um, there's some really nice moments of experimentation that I enjoyed. feels like they're kind of testing the limits of, of what their identity as an artist is, uh, which I really liked. There's, although some of the lyrics, like I said, are perhaps like a bit cliched or whatever, it still feels quite vulnerable as a record, which I really enjoyed. There's There's real emotion and like real guts to it which yeah was just kind of really enjoyable to listen to um there are some tracks that I felt weren't quite as strong as others but I mean that's kind of the case of every album I guess um it's still really fun to listen to and it was it's the kind of record that as I was listening to it I kind of imagined myself in like a late 90s early noughties coming of age film like I was thinking like 10 things I hate about you Cat Stratford vibes and once I'd kind of got that in my head that was like what I was clinging on to and I feel like that kind of encapsulates what the album felt like to me it's this kind of you know Enumeration on the toxicity of relationships and you know it's kind of it's angry it's gutsy it's cathartic it's you know very kind of raw um but in quite a not teenage way that kind of does it an injustice because it is more mature than just like necessarily a teenage thing but it has that kind of teenage angst to it leveled up which is just like fun from an album uh to kind of channel that energy I guess um so yeah overall really really liked it I think it was definitely one that I'll be returning to quite a lot yeah I think this album's good I think it didn't blow me away I I think like you two have both said the lyrics aren't anything like mind-boggling but I think it blends indie pop and alt rock in a really nice way so I didn't really know where they were going with this record because it's been it's been four years since their last one, which was very much more in the alt rock space, and that's kind of where the band's been in the past. But then they've been putting out these singles that have been much more in the in the pop side of things. And I mean, the key one to really see the switch over is Rabbit Hole. And I, if you like the pop songs on this, go and check that song out because it's great. Um, I feel like this album just does both. And it manages to to blend them together in a really nice way. So the big chunky drums that are kind of throughout the whole record really bridge the gap because they work well in the pop context of being these kind of big in-your-face drums that kind of keep you feeling the beat. And they also work in the alt-rock context for being kind of cutting through those big guitars as well. And the sequencing helps a lot on this album. They They've really, like ordered these tracks in a way that makes it flow even though if you put this album on shuffle it would not work anywhere near as well and Ella I really liked what you were saying about a teen movie because this to me feels like they've gone on this quite natural journey of experimenting with different sounds and they've they seem to have fallen on this mixture of pop and rock at a time when Olivia Rodrigo is kind of like the the big thing at the moment and it feels like this is going to open them up to a much bigger audience because they've like blended these two things in a way that is uniquely them but also fits well enough with the zeitgeist that it's going to kind of bring in new fans and I think that's a good position for the band to be in because I mean I think they're their most popular album, I think, was Apocalyptic, which was 2017. If you're relying on kind of older indie rock guys, you know, to keep being interested, it's not going to, you know, not going to be the best because, uh, you know. But this seems like it's going to bring in fresh blood to start enjoying the band and listening. Um, so, yeah, 
a good album. Not my favorite of the year, but it's it's fun. And I think worth checking out. I think for me, I enjoyed Smack Bang in the middle of the album. Um, you have, I'm going to mix up the order. No, I'm not. Soft Like a Flower followed by Sugar. And I think as a pairing, they're really interesting. As songs on their own, I also just really enjoyed them. But there's a, a kind of texture to both of them, which feels... That's enticing. I don't know if that is the right word. I'm just kind of going off that now. Um, but in the sense that you the the way the vocals are delivered is very, very raw, and you get these kind of sounds of like almost laughter, almost crying, which it just kind of powers the emotion that little bit more, um, in a way that kind of almost feels like it is a kind of stereotype of that teenage angst where you're like, it's not a phase, mom, and just screaming, you know, like MCR in your bedroom. But it's it's a bit more tongue-in-cheek than that. It's a bit more kind of, I guess, like harnessing that uh, kind of raw emotion where like when you're a teenager, your emotions are just like literally a millimetre below surface at all times. And I really enjoy how both songs kind of channel that uh, kind of vocally, but also like, the instrumentation as well it feels kind of like there's just I don't know how to describe it there's like there's a lot packed into the tracks which makes them kind of indicative of the level of emotion you feel is trying to be kind of expressed with those songs um which I think I think personally it works really well and I really liked them as a pairing. Um I also really enjoyed them being kind of in the middle of the album. It feels kind of like there's not it's not like a loss of momentum. It's like, yeah, we're still going hard. There's still stuff we want to be saying. Um there's also some quite nice lyrics on these tracks as well. I'm just looking at um man, it's here with Soft Like a Flower. They're they're quite cliche and stereotypes talks about like heart on my sleeve and that kind of thing, but it's in like this track it's done in a way where it still feels kind of authentic. It doesn't feel like she's just plucked a cliche and hoped that it will work. It it feels very relevant to the track and kind of later in this song it talks about um gave up my tricks, I'll be your dog, which I really enjoyed as a lyric kind of encapsulating what the song is saying about kind of relationship dynamics there about kind of firstly like giving up a part of yourself within that relationship but also the kind of idea of you know giving up the the, the tricks like a performing dog or kind of being a dog being kind of loyal to that person there's a lot within that kind of lyric that I felt uh kind of allowed for kind of more exploration as to kind of the multiple meanings that could have which you don't necessarily get on all of the tracks so I enjoyed having that kind of nugget to delve into on that um but yeah just I think it's those tracks together I think um are for me the most enticing yeah I felt like those two really go into the kind of 90s rock sound where soft like a flower you get that kind of more melodic guitar part between the heavier sections that that has that very kind of 90s alt feel to it and then sugar feels very much like nirvana um just com- completely throughout um but I, I liked how sugar transitions back into pop and this is what i'm saying about the sequencing where the album starts out pop and then slowly kind of moves into the rock stuff and then at this point in the middle of the album they have to figure out a way to go back and it's just kind of the way that they do it in Sugar, where it's a bit more, it's still rock, but it's kind of, ooh, we've got chorus sounds on the guitars and stuff like that, that that kind of make that transition back into the next track, Golden, feel a lot smoother and don't make it feel like kind of falling off the cliff into something else. Yeah, Soft Like a Flower was really intriguing to me in terms of those lyrics. and like, It almost felt uncomfortable, like... Yeah, it felt like a weird 
a weird relationship to be in on like listening to how how she presents herself in this relationship um but yeah that, that was a super cool song with a cool guitar sound um at the start a strong emotional punchy chorus um and then yeah sugar is like you say well it is nirvana i mean it's like Kurt Cobain vibes all throughout um but it really puts you in a zone and it puts you in that mood of yes nirvana um is it it's a pretty like kind of simple song i guess um a lot of these songs are quote unquote simple but they're effective um and this one is effective in the way it makes you feel it's a bit a bit strange a little bit uncomfortable like the previous one um i know the the use of those like other quieter harmonies or like vocals in the chorus um adds on to that feeling of uncertainty i guess my most enticing song was track seven golden i really liked how i don't i didn't feel like they were super experimental with the pop songs towards the beginning I think they do interesting stuff, don't get me wrong, but then they're not going in any kind of wild directions with it. Bon Golden, they they introduce a lot of dub elements, which is not what I expected from this album and I really enjoyed. Um like you get the really deep bass, you get the horns with the delay on it, which is like a, a weird introduction for them, but it works. I really love at the end the synths start to come in and the timings just like odd. It's like sometimes they'll play on the beat and sometimes the synths are just like a bit out in different ways and it, it sounds really cool and it's just a different, completely different feel and not at all what I was expecting from this album, but it works really well. Yeah, I didn't, definitely didn't expect this style to come up. Like, sort of that modern, like, jazz scene sort of track, like... You had these like hammering of the keys and then these horns, but then yeah, the, these synthy parts crescendo in um, later on, um, along with those horns that keep carrying you along. Um, the vocals were a little bit more like difficult to understand, but I, I think it was fine. I think it was just something very different um, that we haven't heard in the album yet, and something I didn't expect and. I love that weirdness. Yeah, this track, it definitely, it was unexpected. <laughs> I wasn't expecting the kind of horns to jump in. Um, but yeah, like you've both touched on, it was very welcome. Um, and I think, as well, James, you, you touched briefly on the kind of vocal delivery. And it was like slightly harder to kind of decipher the lyrics exactly, but I enjoyed that different vocal style um where it's not the kind of classic angry belting you know that you get on kind of a lot of the tracks which i really like um i'm always here for but i it, it was nice to have that kind of shift and kind of it see that they were um kind of willing to experiment and kind of figure out different sounds um and it, yeah, it was it was just kind of a nice uh, kind of shift within the album um, that still felt in keeping with the album as a whole. It didn't feel kind of like wildly out of place, um, but it was nice to kind of see that experimentation and see how it's kind of pulling in different directions and it not be kind of yet another angsty, shouty pop rock track, which, you know, I enjoy, but it's nice to have a bit of variation. Speaking of experimentation, James, I'm, I guess I'm not surprised to hear you say that the ending didn't catch you as much, because I guess the more alt-rock stuff is more like your thing. But I thought the end, the the last few tracks and kind of the back half of the album was went in some interesting directions where Wild Times is kind of maybe the most straight-up pop song on here, maybe with the exception of Bad Habit, with maybe the catchiest chorus. But then you get Eat You Like a Pill, where the drums sound more metronomy-ish, like that more kind of even more indie pop type sound. 
and then Shattered goes in like a kind of shoegazy direction with the chords they've chosen and the kinds of sounds they're going for. And then you kind of get to I Don't Want You Anymore, the title track at the end, and it goes back to being kind of full-on heavy guitars and stuff. I felt like, I don't know that they're my favorite songs on the album, but it felt like they were they were getting towards the end and they were like, right, let's shove as much as we can into here to keep this interesting and engaging. And I, I appreciated that as like them, not just kind of trundling along and doing the same thing. They like really work to keep you interested. Me, I, yeah, I wouldn't say that I felt that the second half of the album was necessarily like a step down. Um, there's definitely a, difference it it does feel like there is a transition where like you've touched on will there's kind of more pop orientated sounds um it just feels it, it feels like there is a, a kind of journey through the album i'm just not quite sure what it was <laughs> um because you do find that there, it does kind of end play where you you start on one level and then there's that kind of pop and then like you said, there's the shoegaze and it, yeah, I I felt like there was some intentionality with, with what they were doing with the sequencing and what that was. I just wasn't quite sure what I was meant to interpret that as, and it just left me like a little bit confused. Um, I didn't hate it. I, in, like I said, I enjoyed the experimentation. I enjoyed the kind of different sounds that they explore. Um, and you know, I like pop, so I enjoyed those kind of elements as well. Like that wasn't a negative for me per se, but I think, yeah, maybe it's just me not quite understanding what journey I was meant to be going on. Um, but it does definitely feel like there is a there's there's a pattern there. I just don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know that it's supposed to be all that deep. I think it might just be that <laughs> you know this order of tracks sounded the best when you put them back to back. <laughs> and I think for this kind of album, that's fine, right? It's a pop album about, you know, angst and relationships. It doesn't need, need just, to be I just want it... literary. I know? just want a deeper meaning. <laughs> <laughs> I want to add something that's not there. <laughs> I think the track shattered on that back end um, kind of sums up my emotions a little bit. Um, it's just like I really enjoyed the sound. Like, I mean, Shattered was a bit slower. Uh, I, I think I would have preferred something a bit faster, but I mean, I got that in tracks around it as well, so it's fine. Um, but with that one, like, the vocals just didn't like come through as much as I wanted, and there's like missed opportunities. Like, the Shattered line could have really pierced um, the mix a bit more and really had a bit more of an impact. Um, but yeah, I I I enjoyed the sound. It's just like not as impactful as some other places on the album. One example of that might be "Touchy with My Chaos," right? The vocal sound on that I absolutely love. Like the the performance itself is great, but then you get the layered vocals at points. And the distortion on it is lovely because it's it's not like, you know, absolutely cranking, like screaming into the mic distortion. It's like, it sounds like super heavy compression, like you're hitting one of those vintage compressors really hard, that kind of distortion. It just sounds really, really nice. I, I love what they did with that one. Yeah, there's some great moments in this one where... Um... You just get the vocals and the bass, and the vocals just really punch through. Like, like I said, I wanted from um, from Shattered. Um, yeah, it just really comes through and hits you. Um, so, and then there's this like weirdly interesting string um, string part at the end, which almost turned like spooky. So, grateful this season. Um, but yeah, I think this is more of a grower actually. Like. It was very like emo y sounding, right? Um But like at first I was like, Oh, this is interesting, but like more I listened to it, I'm like, okay, this is definitely something I can get more and more into. Yeah, I yeah, like this track for the, the kind of reason you've both touched on. 
it definitely grew on me and I think um part of what I enjoyed more was kind of picking out the lyric uh I guess like compatibility with the sound um in that it it feels chaotic like that's what she's singing about and it it definitely kind of captures that um and I really enjoyed the, the song kind of closes out with I said that I love you I never wanted love and that's kind of referenced earlier in the song as well and that kind of contradiction um firstly it, it kind of feels chaotic where you're like well, well what were you wanting you said you wanted like was the love wanted was it not was it this kind of involuntary thing um but also kind of captures I think a lot of the the, the heart of the album where it's you know it's an exploration of kind of love and what that means and relationships and things like that but in quite a toxic angsty way a lot of the time um and kind of talking about not wanting love and kind of there's the element of like is that truthful are you kind of saying that because of a position of hurt that you're in or or what that is um I just kind of enjoyed the way this song kind of touches on that and also um yeah kind of encapsulates chaos but opens by saying I don't want the pain and chaos of what I have going on and it's again that contradiction where you're like you're you're creating this like <laughs> this is you <laughs> um and so I, I just thought that was uh quite fun um and yeah it's it's a track that when I kind of returned to the album I was like oh I feel like I like this more the second time around I think those first few tracks actually really stood out to me because of the vocal vocal performance and the vocal manipulation as well um i think bad habit is a good example of the manipulation um yeah i don't exactly know what the techniques are called but yeah the, the vocals are fed through like um yeah some effects and some uh computer stuff <laughs> um but they 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 do some really cool stuff alongside that bass synth um the fin the synths felt like super like silky but really punchy at the same time, like loud and punchy but still like silky. Um like the chorus is poppy and nothing too complex, but it had a lovely full sound. Um and yeah, and it was kind of about like acknowledging um having this bad habit of loving someone or the way they're loving someone and kind of feeling guilty of it but unable to let it go kind of the, like the topics we've mentioned already um but it really felt like a struggle between the heart and the mind anything else we want to touch on i wish the first track was longer addicted to your love really like it had a cool like double tracked vocal sound or even like multi-tracked uh, vocal um sound at the start which was like really unsettling um, which reflected the nature of the lyrics, um, and that, like, I don't really know what it was. Like a lovely raindroppy keyboard sound, um, which gave a lot of texture. And amongst this like fairly acoustic song, um, it's just that it was one minute forty three, and I thought it could have been longer. And I would have, yeah, I would have liked it being longer because I liked the song, not because. I don't know, there wasn't much development. I just wanted more. <laughs> I should have just listened to it on shuffle. Not shuffle, repeat. <laughs> I quite liked it just as kind of a, uh, an introductory thing and a bit of a buffer before you get to bad habit because I think going straight in on that would have been a bit much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you say, I think it, it's a solid track in its own right. Yeah, I enjoyed the track and I found it interesting as an album opener. Um, particularly on like re-listens to the album, kind of knowing what was coming. I was like, oh, this feels kind of Yeah, it's not necessarily what I would have chosen to open the album, but kind of hearing it with that placement, like you said, kind of easing you in. I actually really enjoyed it. It felt quite like a perhaps like the unusual choice of song to use as the opener. Um, but I felt it worked really well. One last thing I want to actually ask both of you is um if you've took note of it, on Ready For You, um, yeah, I, I love the sound on this one, like the groovy bass and vocals and everything. But um, like post-chorus, like these like really high-pitched vocals, which are like, oh, that's different sounding. Um, 
I kind of like that. I, it might it might get annoying after a while. Then I listen to it like the second time it happens in the song, and I'm like, yeah, I don't like this. <laughs> it's just a bit annoying, like really kind of like corny. I I think that's the way of putting it. Like, um, I think she's just singing "Ready for You," but higher pitched, and I'm just like, mm, mm, maybe I can go without that. You might not even have noted it, but I did. <laughs> Yeah, I remember not being super jazzed about it, but not it not making me want to turn it off immediately. So <laughs> it can't have been horrendous for me. Yeah, I think I agree. I don't remember being like enamored by it, but I also didn't kind of it, 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 yeah. I didn't make a note of it being song ruining. It was just kind of there. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Right, let's wrap up our review by ranking the album. As always, the current album rankings are down in the description. Where would we like to put I Don't Want You Anymore by Cherry Glazer? I think my ranking's probably going to seem a little bit low, but I think it's kind of indicative of we've reviewed lots of good albums, and this one's enjoyable, but not spectacular in any particular way for me other than like it kind of blending two styles together in a kind of interesting way and having their a bit of their own flair to it i think i'd put it number 29 just below mandy indiana i'm looking at a kind of similar area i think oh this is tricky because as with every week <laughs> There are albums below it that I preferred, but also albums below it that I didn't. It's it's just always tricky. Um, but I think for me, kind of, I'm in a similar camp to you, Will, where I enjoyed the album. I'd, I'd recommend it. I'm definitely going to listen to it again. Um, but it wasn't necessarily like the most groundbreaking thing, and it wasn't necessarily the most kind of... It's not, it's not like one of my favourites from the year, um, in part because we've listened to so many really phenomenal albums this year i think uh, maybe i would put it i think for me i would put it above mandy indiana oh my god but i would put it perhaps below cut worms this is not helpful james what are you thinking <laughs> to be honest i'm 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 like way off you both i'm, I'm like top half like for sure I, I really enjoy it um i'm not exactly sure where to put it um Maybe around like everything but the girl area. I just thought the the, the tracks just like really. I just really enjoyed them. Really fun. Um, so that's why I'm as high as I am. Um, but yeah, like that. Even like around pile maybe. Um, so I can't help you guys to uh, know where to put it. It's tricky. That's that's really th throwing a curveball. I'm gonna level with you. I mean, for me, Mandy Indiana should have been way, way, way higher. So it's kind of easy to say. Yeah, well, but it, below that, if we start with that game, we're gonna rearrange <laughs> the whole list. I'm not saying I want to move it now. I'm just saying that <laughs> Mandy Indiana's underrated. So saying that this is not as good as that is not even a not even a slight at all. But then once again, I will refer back to Fireworks, Higher Lonely Power being... Well, that was a collective mistake. Dramatically low. <laughs> we all bear the brunt of that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's a guilt we share. <laughs> I think... Uh... I would put it above Mandy Indiana, and I know that's controversial to you, Will, but we're just going to have to differ on that front. How much above? Just above? I think just above. Goes in at number 28, then. Right, before we get to, on to upcoming releases, uh, this week I went and saw Squid at SWX. Is this the first time I've done a double... Uh, live review because I've live reviewed Squid on the show previously. I think it might be. I don't yeah, think I've done anyone else. Maybe. Um, so this was Squid's two night 
residency. I, I don't know if you can call it that over two nights, SWX in Bristol. Um, I saw them on the second night on the Saturday. Um, and I'm, so I was seeing them on their O Monolith tour. So this is post their sophomore record, which is currently our number one album of the year. Um, and yeah, they, they played quite a lot that I didn't know if they'd play any of their old stuff and they did play quite a few songs from bright green field, although they didn't play anything prior to that. So no, the cleaner, no match bet, no house plants. Um, but they played a nice mix of stuff from the new album and the old one. Uh, I thought they were really good. The first time I saw them, at, which was at Marble Factory, the sound was really bad. Like you could barely hear what was, well, I could barely hear what was going on on the stage. Like everything was just muddy and horrible. This time the sound was great. You could really hear all of the different parts. And just the sheer number of instruments on stage for their band is insane. Like all of them have like, three guitars and two synthesizers and some other kind of percussion to play on stage it's quite great my my only complaint is that they played siphon song which is one of my favorite songs from the new record and even with all of the those instruments they couldn't get a talk box or a vocoder to do the vocals with they just sung it normally which was such a disappointment because i feel like that element really adds to that song um, but yeah, I can't recommend Squid live enough. Both times I've seen them, they've been absolutely incredible. Um, and yeah, the live show lives up to the studio stuff. So highly recommended. Right, let's get on to upcoming releases. There's lots coming out this week, so I'm going to go through it relatively quickly. First up, Black Pumas are releasing their sophomore record. It's called Cro chronicles of a diamond if you haven't heard of them they do kind of like old bluesy soul type music um so if that sounds intriguing to you maybe check them out next up king gizzard and the lizard wizard are releasing a new album called the silver chord it's their second studio record of the year i think um and the album art looks really unusual for them um because normally it's like kind of sci-fi pictures and weird stuff and this time it's like a picture of a guy, which just feels odd. But anyway, uh, next up, Taylor Swift is releasing 1989 Taylor's version this week. So if you want to hear a new take on Taylor Swift's best album, you can check that out. Next up, DJ Shadow is releasing a new record called Action Adventure. If you don't know DJ Shadow, he was uh most famous in the 90s for being kind of one of the kind of crazy um super like progressive in terms of like the art of sampling guys in kind of early hip-hop like that kind of hip-hop stuff so if you like albums that go super heavy on samples like the avalanches and stuff like that check out dj shadow and this new album i have no idea what it's going to be like Next up, if you want more hip-hop, check out Shabazz Palace's Robed in Rareness. It's their first album in a while, I think. They did the, those two albums that they released like back-to-back -back or at the same time. It's, I, from memory, that was a while ago, and I don't think they've released one since. Next up, Superchunk are releasing a compilation. It's called Misfits and Mistakes, Singles, B-Sides and Strays, 2007-2023. So you can kind of tell what that is from the name, right? Um, if you like Superchunk, it's probably going to be one to check out. Also, if you want a good random single from them, check out their song, There's a Ghost, from 2021. It was just like a random single they put out, and it's a really good song. Next up, Sundara Karma are releasing their next album. It's called Better Luck Next Time. Um... Their album, Orfila's Alphabet, is really, really good and got very little attention when it came out. And everyone should go back and check that album out because it's, it's really cool. And finally, Sophia Cortesis. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. I gave it, gave it the old college try there. Um, <laughs> is releasing her debut album. It's called Madres. I saw her supporting... 
I think it was Caribou I saw her support. Um, and she was really good. Um, she just did a DJ set, I think, from memory. Um, but yeah, if you like kind of Caribou, Bonobo, those kinds of more melodic and kind of tuned percussion heavy dance music acts, she is definitely one to check out. Um, I think this is going to be a good debut. Right. That's it for upcoming releases and that's it for the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you, James and Elle, for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having us. If you like the show, new episodes come out every Monday. You can subscribe and turn on notifications if you're worried about forgetting about that. If you want to get in touch with us, you can drop us an email at unmutedunmastered at gmail.com. I can now announce that the album for next week is La High by Sampha. I'm excited for that one. I'm sad I'm not going to be on for it now. Yeah. You can send us thoughts and we'll try and read them in your voice. Okay. That, we'll get AI <laughs> to do your yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll get AI to do my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>